Now, submission is actually a rare thing, but being bossy is quite common. I know you've never heard of this, but there was a bossy wife once whose husband did all that he was told. Now, he did that just to keep peace. His wife one day invited uh, the women's club over for tea and to play bridge. And so to keep her husband, that was always annoying, from disrupting that event, she put him, she ordered him into the closet. And said, now don't come out until the last woman leaves. So during the bridge game... Each woman began to brag about how they were in control of their home and how each one were able to control, they had authority over their husbands. Well, this woman who was hosting the event was not to be outdone, and she began to brag how she had ordered her husband even into the closet, and he had obeyed her. And she said, not only have I done that, but I can order him out whenever I wish. And said, I'll prove it. Bob, this is not about Bob, by the way. Bob, come out of the closet. Silence. Nobody moved. She said, Bob, come out of the closet right now. Nothing. Bob, I order you to get out of that closet this very instant if you know what's good for you. And a little voice came out and said, no, I won't. I'll show you who's boss in this house. (laughs) Y'all didn't think that was funny. I thought that was funny. Heard somebody say, if you would just do what I tell you, I wouldn't have to be so bossy. Maybe that's hitting too close. Y'all not comfortable with this lesson, are you? All right, husbands and wives, here we go. Now that's not what it's about today. But that's where you'll go with it. But that's not what the lesson's about. Submission is not about tyranny. And that's what our society thinks now. That's what they preach. And some of you believe it. Some of you believe it for a shame. Submission is not about tyranny. It's about function. If you have an orchestra and it's in concert, can everybody lead? If you have soldiers going into battle, can everybody choose what they wish to do? If you're in a worship service and there is no one leading, what will that service be like? You know, the issue is the rationale for submission is laid out in this text. But it goes into examples. But before it goes into the examples of submission that we all are supposed to follow. Not just men, not just women, not just boys, not just girls, not just old people, not just young people. We are all supposed to follow the submissive mindset. 
and none of us really feel like we're the ones need to submit. We always feel like it's the other guy and it's you and it's me. Okay, but the thing is, is that we need the rationale first. And he lays out the rationale before he gets into the examples. He gives us four examples that are fabulous examples of submission. But he begins with the rationale. The rationale is, it's based on a sureness. And it sounds like he's not sure, but that's not what he's saying at all. Verse 1, if, the word if is stated to explain it's not an if. You do know that, right? If there is any consolation in Christ, <laughs> well, if there's no consolation in Christ, what are you doing here? If there is any consolation, if any comfort of love, folks, it is the greatest comfort of love we have, knowing that the Lord God loves us enough to send Jesus. If there's any comfort, if any, this is a hyperbole, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. What he's saying is, guys, we're sure of all this stuff. And it is also motivated by sameness. He says in verse 2, fulfill you my joy being like-minded. Now, let me, let me say this in a different way. Nobody has got a better baptism than anybody else in this room. Nobody has got a better Savior than anybody else in this room. Nobody's got a better confession of faith than anybody else in this room. Nobody's been saved better than anybody else in this room. So if you're thinking you're better than somebody else, remember how you got where you are. There is a sameness that keeps us equal here. Being like-minded, having the same love of one accord and of one mind. It's the single-mindedness of us all. We all are on the same level on the playing field. Don't forget it. And that changes the way you look at submission too, doesn't it? But it's also accomplished by a selflessness, he says. Verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Oh, if we could get rid of that in churches. Do you know how many times I've seen that? I've seen it not in just churches. I've seen it on the mission field. I've seen it everywhere I go. Christians who get conceited and look down on other Christians. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than selves. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Wow, if we only did that. So that's the basis, if you will. That's the motivation. That's the, the accomplishment of all of this, what it accomplishes. But we want to look at the four examples in this text. It's a very straightforward text. You can't really miss it. But we'll walk you through this. It's so good. Um, if you're with me in the text, and I hope you are, Philippians chapter 2. And verse 5 is, is the greatest example here that he gives. And it's the example of Christ. He begins uh, in verse 5. And in this text, verses 5, 6, and 7, 
he's suggesting that there is a submissive mind that leads to service. Now, if you have a submissive mind, it will lead you to do acts of service. And that means hardship. Acts of service are not easy. If it's easy, it's not service. You're doing what you want to do. Service involves the idea of servitude or slavery. You're doing what you don't really feel comfortable doing, but you're doing it anyway. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this is the way Christ thought, who being in the form of God, this is talking about his pre-existence in heaven, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was on the same plane field as God, and it wasn't inappropriate for him to think that way. He was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's not wrong to think that way. Verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation. That means he became a baby, folks. And no reputation taking the form of a bond servant. He came like a slave of who? God the Father. And coming in the likeness of men. So what does it do to you when you have a submissive mindset? It makes you a bond servant. It makes you a servant. That's what it does. There is a submissive mindset that leads to sacrifice. Look what it does to him next. Verse 8. This is what it did to him. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Look what happens to you when you really have a submissive mindset. You humble yourself. You say, that's not what humility is. Dropping the head. Let me tell you something. If you never drop your head, you're not humble. You never look down, you're not humble. If your nose has to go in the air for you to talk to somebody, you're not as humble as you think you are. Let me tell you something. It will affect your body posture, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. That's, That's what it does to you. It makes you willing to sacrifice to the point of death. Maybe not the death on the cross, but even the death of the cross. That's what it does. And that's the reason I mentioned in verse 27. We'll get to that in a minute. That another one of these examples did this kind of thing. You'll see it again in a minute. And then there is a submissive mindset that leads to a splendor. You see, God doesn't put us through stuff like this and then not reward us. And look at what verses 9 through 11. A Jesus, the greatest example of all. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Why? Because he did that. You say, oh, there's nothing in it for me to be submissive. There's nothing in it for me to sacrifice myself. There's nothing in it for me to be in service. Uh, If Jesus is our example, there's a lot in it for you. Therefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Therefore, because of what he had done, hath highly exalted him and given him. This is a gift. The name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Amen. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth. That's everybody, folks. Angels included. Verse 11, every tongue should confess. That's important. Uh, and they're going to all swear allegiance to him. Every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that's the example of Christ. We need to learn the submissive mind that comes from the first and foremost example, and that is of Christ. If you don't think you need to be submissive, then you just abandoned your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's example. 
Second example. In this text, the next example is the example of Paul. There is a submissive mindset on a purpose to achieve. Uh, we're going to read verse 12, and then we'll drop down to 14 through 16. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. That means to complete it. Work out. It does also mean to work. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's something for you to do. Verses 14, 15, and 16 then says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. He had a purpose to achieve. His purpose, just like theirs, was to complete his salvation, but also to make sure that they were okay. That's what a mindset does. It makes sure that your salvation is secure, and it wants to make sure other people's salvation is secure. And there is a submissive mindset on a power to receive. Look at verse 13, backing up a little bit. For it is God, not man... It is God who works in you. It's not you who works in you. It's not you who works in you. Left to yourself and your own devices without God working in you, none of us would even like you. The only thing likable about me is whatever God's done within me. I've known me without God, okay? You don't know him. You, some of you don't like me now. You got no idea how bad that is. Look in the mirror. I feel the same way about you. Without God, I wouldn't have nothing to do with you. Not on a regular basis. We're not that big of buds now. But I'd like to be better. And you know why? Because the more God's in you, the more fun it is to be around you. Amen? Yeah, you just become all kinds of fun to be around when God gets inside of you. But look what he says. It is God who works in you both to will... That means he inside of me makes me want to do better and to do. I can't even get it done if God ain't working inside of me. So to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. But there is also a submissive mindset that Paul's throwing out here from his own example of a promise to believe. He says in verses 16, 17, 18, just verse 16, holding fast the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I've not run in vain or labored in vain. I want to know, I've held on to the word of God so that I know I'm going to get to heaven. I'm trusting the promises of God myself, Paul's saying. And he's saying, I need you to do the same. And then verse 17, if I am being poured out as a drink offering, I love that example of being poured out as a drink offering, don't you? On the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. I'm okay with burning out. I'm okay with spilling out. I'm okay with drying up and being empty and being done and being through with this world. I'm okay with that if it's on the sacrifice and the service of your faith. For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. If you see me pour out, when you see a saint of God pour out and they're done, rejoice with them. They've gone on to better things. Amen. Amen. So 
Paul was near death in some of this text, but nonetheless, he's setting an example of believing the promises of God. So we need to learn the submissive mind, not only by the example of Christ, but by the example of Paul. He's laying it out here. He totally had submitted. The third one is the example of Timothy in this text, is that of the submissive mind. There is a submissive servant's mind that is expressed in Timothy in this text. Look verse 19 through 21. 19 says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. You mean you could just tell Timothy where to go? Amen. Where are the deacons that can just be told what to do? And they just do it. Because they were told. Sent. Go do that. Well, I'm busy. Well, we all are busy. Amen? Even if you're doing nothing, you're busy doing nothing. Busy watching TV. You're busy. Everybody's busy. Listen to what he says. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you short. Just like he could tell him wherever to go. He's a young man. He's in his 30s by this point. You think you could just tell a 30-something year old man to go anywhere you want? Well, some of them you can. But not everyone. That I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Verse 20. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. What a statement to make about a fellow. I don't know anybody that's as concerned about just doing the will of God. And I can just tell him to go. And he goes. I say to come, he comes. Because why? Because it's not about me. It's about doing the will of God and seeing to your needs. Look at what he finishes, verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. What a statement. Because he's saying that about the church then. Folks, what he said about the church then is the predominant leaning of the church today. All seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. Take a look in the mirror. He's talking to you. And he's trying to get you to follow Timothy's example. He's talking to me too, by the way. There is a submissive servant's mind. There is a submissive servant's mentoring that needs to take place. Philippians 2 verse 22. You know his proven character. For as a son with his father he served me. Like like I mentored him to do this. He served with me in the gospel. I mentored him along so that he could do this. By the way, if if you can't be mentored in the kingdom, you're never going to get very far. You need to be willing to come under the wing of someone. Somebody does things better than you. You don't do everything better than everybody else. There is a submissive servant's meaningfulness in this text. Look at verses 23 and 24. Therefore, I hope to send him at once. And listen to the statement. As soon as I see how it goes with me. Because I want him to take that message. However it goes with me, whether I live or whether I die, I want him to be able to carry that message. He needs, because you need to hear it. Verse 24, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. I believe I'm going to come with you. Maybe I'll even go with you. The point is, is that there was meaning to whatever reason Timothy would go. 
It wasn't just running back and forth to do whatever Paul wanted. It was to send a message and to be beneficial to that congregation. So we need to learn the submissive mind through the example of Timothy. Finally, there's the example of Epaphroditus. Aren't you proud of me? I can pronounce a word that big and I'm from Alabama. That's pretty good. There is a submissive mind that is first balanced. Look at what he says about this man. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Look at what he says. My brother. My fellow worker. My fellow soldier. But your messenger. And the one who ministered to my needs. Look at all the things he did. He had a balanced spiritual walk. He wasn't just something he could do a little bit over here and he didn't do anything else. He was engaged at all levels. And there is a submissive mind that is not engaged at all levels. You need to be more balanced. And and not being more balanced is a sign of not being submissive in certain areas. It's, It's hard to be submissive in all areas, but that means we have to submit over here and I have to submit over here and... That's not my thing. But there's also a submissive mind that is burdened. Look at verses 26 beginning. Since he was longing for you, he was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. He was worried about you because you were worried about him. He is burdened for you, brethren. Listen to what he says down, verse 27. For indeed he was sick almost to death. Now that's the parallel back to Jesus. The What he said about him, remember that? He's throwing back to that. You might have missed that. He's throwing back to that point. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. For for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his own life. What he's saying is he was following the example of Christ himself and nearly died for it. What a statement to make about anybody. Would you nearly die just to do the work of the Lord? Maybe. But it'd be a difficult call, wouldn't it? There is a submissive mind that is blessed in this text because Epaphroditus and that congregation he's from. Look at what he says, verse 28. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice. You know he's alive. You see him. And I I may be less sorrowful. Verse 29. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness. And listen to this statement. And hold such men. Such men that have been such a good example. Such men that's so balanced. Such men that would be willing to risk their life to serve just a, a preacher in a prison. Hold such men in esteem. You see, I think part of the reason we don't submit is because we esteem the wrong stuff. Learn the submissive mind by the example of Epaphroditus. So that's your lesson basically there. Look at those examples and they all speak of a submissive mind. Christ submitted to the Father coming in the form of a bondservant. Paul submitted to their needs of the congregation he's sending. Philippa, Timothy submitted to their needs. Epaphroditus submitted to their needs. Submitted to everything they need. You know, society 
can influence us sometimes more than Bible examples, can it? There is a, an opposition to submission. What is the opposite of submission? Well, here, Psalm 78, 8 talks about it. A stubborn and rebellious spirit that's not faithful. First uh, Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So this idea about I don't have to do what you say is like people who run around with pointy hats and wands. No, it's not. It's like the most wicked thing on earth. That's what witchcraft really is. And stubbornness is as idolatry. If you're a stubborn person, you can go to church all your life. If you're a stubborn person, and you may still be an idolater. That's what he said. I didn't say it, okay? Don't get mad at me. Don't throw anything. But, but even the world sees value in submission. Do you? The world sees it. Uh, y'all know this story. Ship out on the ocean in the middle of the night, back in the days where they just had those little lights and they communicated with the light thingy. Alter your course. He saw a light out in the distance and he sends a signal. Alter your course 10 degrees south. And the light came back and flicked. Alter your course 10 degrees north. Sent the light back. Alter your course. I'm a captain. Sent the light back. Alter your course. I'm a seaman first class. Alter your course. I'm a battleship. Alter your course. I'm a lighthouse. You better learn to submit. Somebody actually is an authority sometime on something. Quit acting like you're an authority on everything. Just because you can Google it doesn't mean you know anything about it. Ever heard of a fellow named Roger Stahlback? He's quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. 1971, they won the Super Bowl. Remember Coach Landry? Coach Landry... uh, Sent every play in while Roger Stallback was the quarterback. Did you know that? Every play. Every play. And uh, he was talking about that. Roger Stallback was talking about that. He says, I got to be honest. Uh, that bothered me. He said, uh, I, I knew my coach was like a genius in strategy and in football. But my pride was injured that I couldn't call any of the plays for my team, that everything had to be called. But listen to this statement. I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, there was fulfillment, and there was victory. We won the Super Bowl. I want to tell you something. I'll gladly submit if we win the Super Bowl. Amen? Trust and obey. Don't hear that word anymore. You don't hear it at weddings. You don't hear it anywhere. You're into that radical, tell us what to do kind of thing. I ain't telling you nothing. But I remember the song really well. Trust and obey. 
For there's no other way. To be what? To be happy in Jesus. But to... And... No other way. A submissive mindset. You want to be right with God? You got to trust Him. You got to be willing to obey now. You got to repent. You got to obey God now. You got to confess Christ. You got to obey God now. You got to be baptized. And that's not the end of it. You got to obey God now. You got to do whatever He tells you the rest of your natural life. Wait, wait, wait. No, that's not the end of it. You got to obey God now for the rest of eternity. We will be doing exactly what our Master says from now on. Not just to the end of my life. I intend to be fully engaged forevermore. Amen? Kneeling before Him, thanking Him, and doing whatever He sends me to do, gladly so, I will gladly let Him call every play if I get to win the Super Bowl. Where's your heart? Well, it's up to you. The invitation is yours. You'll come and submit while we stand and while we sing.